Cool. Let's get started. Ooh. Oh, I start us off, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can if you want me to. No, I got this. I got this. <laughs> You're listening to Love Ya, your guided tour through the wide and wonderful world of streaming teen rom-coms. I am your co-host, YA librarian and teen lit uh, expert and enjoyer, Martha Sullivan, and I am here, as always, with my other co-host. I'm Marin Higman, adult services librarian um, and a rom-com enthusiast. And... Before we get into our movie for the day, just want to do a quick quarantine check-in. How are you doing, Marin? I am doing all right. Um, how are you doing, Martha? <laughs> you know, I'm okay. Um, I don't remember if I discussed this on our last episode, but I am elbow deep in my rewatch of True Blood, which is my current quarantine media of choice. Oh, excellent. I'm about halfway through the third season, um, and when I finish the third season, I will then be into new material to me. I only watched the first three seasons live on TV, so after this, it is all uh, sailing into the unknown, <laughs> and now that I have been reminded of how totally bananas this show is, <laughs> I'm very excited, because uh, I hear that it just keeps going off those rails. <laughs> Nice. I don't I don't even know if I made it as far as season three. Well, season three is where the werewolves enter the picture. And Joe Manginello is my reason for getting up in the mornings these days. Aww. So um, not really. I have lots of reasons to get up in the morning. <laughs> um, but he is delightful. Uh, yeah. So that's what I've been enjoying. Oh, anything, good. anything specific keeping you sane these days? Um... Pete and I have been watching for him. It is the first time he is watching season six and seven of the West Wing. Um, so we finally got on to season seven this week. Um, so that has been really fun to, to get to experience that for the first time again through his eyes. Um, and I'm also enjoying, I have, I have particular fondness for those seasons because I, I watched them as they aired. Um, I started watching West Wing with my family. I mean, I think even as far back as season two, I, like, remember having my parents, like, have it on on the TV. Uh, but, like, I actively remember, like, the three of us, my mom, my dad, and I would sit down whatever night of the week it was it aired, and we would watch it together um, as it came out. So it's been, it's been a really fun nostalgia watch for me, both in just the, like, getting to see Pete enjoying it, but also, like, remembering that experience of of back when i watched it um so that's been fun well and i will say that i am um i am a person for whom i did not necessarily think that i know a lot of people think that there are only four seasons of the west way <laughs> um i thought season six and seven were great just in a different way so I, I agree with that. I, I really enjoy season six and seven, and that was part of the reason I, I have urged Pete to watch it. I, I think it is a little more uneven. 
Um, I think there are some really great episodes, and I think there are some episodes that aren't quite as strong. But overall, I think, like, I think framing it as kind of a different thing, but still really enjoyable is a, is a good way to do it. So, oh yeah. yeah, I mean it's it's a different show. It you can you can feel the lack of Aaron Sorkin, but I don't think that that makes it bad. I just think that it makes it different, and I think yeah. for a lot of people they had to adjust um, to that difference. Yeah, absolutely. Have you ever listened to the West Wing Weekly? I listened to it for a very long time. I fell off because I got sort of overloaded by podcast content. Oh, fair. Um, but I, I enjoyed it for a long time, and I do I, w- I am interested in going back to listen to like the last um, couple of seasons, uh, particularly when Josh Molina actually starts being on the show. I would love to hear from him about his experiences. Yeah, um, that part does get really fun, where he gets to kind of delve into this is what it was like filming this episode. Um, but and I don't think they necessarily make this clear before they get to this. But Rishi Herway never watched seasons five through seven before oh. doing this show. So he is coming to those episodes like tabula rasa. Like he has only seen that episode for recording. Um, so that's that was really fun to kind of get to hear him experience it for the first time. Like someone who is like such a like down the rabbit hole deep west wing fan for seasons one through four Mm -hmm. um so that was that was part of my enjoyment of the west wing weekly for those later seasons so i would i definitely think it's it's worth getting back into and and getting into the the back end of the show well and i i do enjoy i'm listening to rishi's new podcast that he does with sam and nosrat about cooking in our time of quarantine oh i need to get into that one Yes, it's delightful. Um, I feel very strongly like we may have talked about all of this on our last episode. We, we very well might have. Um, so I apologize to our listeners, but frankly, my brain is Swiss cheese. So if you guys all remember this conversation better than I do, uh, you're one up on me. Gold stars. <laughs> um, but let's get into our movie for the day. We watched the 2016 uh, movie Be Somebody. Uh, which, Marin, would you like to walk us yes, through? Yes. So... Oh, but first, sorry. Again, brain Swiss cheese. <gasps> um, this was directed by Joshua Caldwell, uh, written by Lamar Damon, and it stars Matthew Espinoza as Jordan J., Sarah Jeffrey as Emily Lowe, Allison Page as Jessica, um, Tava Smiley as Mrs. J, and then Caitlin Keats and LaMonica Garrett as uh, Emily Lowe's parents. Yeah, so this movie um, takes a essentially Justin Bieber stand-in teen star um, who accidentally finds himself uh, stranded. Um, he walks off his tour bus and... Um, Initially tries to get back to his tour bus, um, but then has a run-in with a girl who is filling up her car um, as she's about to go make pizza delivery. Um, as he is recognized by fans, he asks her to spirit him away um, so he can reunite with his tour bus. Um, they end up 
figuring out his tour bus has left and he is stranded. Um, and he decides that he wants to experience some, quote, real life, unquote. Um, and so stays the night on her bedroom floor um, and then decides to spend the day um, in her small town. Um, and I don't believe it's quite clear where. It's somewhere between L.A. and Las Vegas. Um so, I had no sense. I had no sense of space time in right, this movie. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so Emily and, oh, I probably should have said their names. Their names are Jordan and Emily. Um, and so Jordan and Emily hang out for this day and a half um, and bond over, you know, feeling like they don't fit in. Um, and because Emily is a very artistic type. Um, and then this culminates when they have a grand adventure to Banksy, her high school. Um, so they go in and they, um, put up, like, street-style art, um, all around her school, um, before he goes back to his tour. Um, there's also a subplot of Emily's parents not really paying much attention to her right before she is set to... Uh, head out to art school. Um, we see them quite a bit on the phone, and so she is also trying to remind them that she will not be around for long uh, before she heads off to college. Um, and then after Jordan goes off back to his tour, we flash forward several months, um, and he ends up coming back to take her to the prom. And so, like many a teen movie, this movie ends um, with a limo taking them to prom. So, um, yeah. I. How did, how did we feel about this movie? I, okay. So, I, my primary thoughts, and I feel like this is rare that I have, I mean, I think maybe um, Naomi and Eli, Ellie's, Eli's No Kiss List is the only other movie I feel like I've said this, but, like, a big problem with this movie was actually, like, the acting was bad. Like, the two leads were not, I didn't feel it, um, especially I, the dude. I was going to say, I thought that um, Sarah Jeffrey as Emily is trying very, very hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Matthew Espinoza as Jordan is giving her nothing. <laughs> Yeah. Like I actually I, I found I found uh Emily to be I I enjoyed her. I thought she was very cute. Um this movie it was very low energy to me. Yes. Like they the two leads didn't have a whole lot of chemistry. Um there's not really a lot that happens which is fine. Um I think you can have movies where not a whole lot happens, but I think that if you do your two characters have to be extremely compelling and Emily and Jordan just kind of aren't. Yeah, and they, yeah, I mean, it just moves so slow. Like, I found myself getting bored, like, my mind wandering. Um, and sometimes, yeah, like you said, like, sometimes those movies where, like, not a ton of things happen, per se, um, you can make up for by really good performances or by, um, you know, a script that has a little more depth. And and this just didn't have it. Like, I feel like you need one of two things. You either need, like, really um, charismatic performances or you need, like, a movie that is engaging and 
its plot and like this movie had a little like the, I think the script was mostly fine and in the hands of a better male lead probably would have been way more engaging but yeah it just kind of nothing inherently was that wrong in the script it just yeah it just fell flat the only real hint of conflict we get is at one point Emily dares suggest that they probably won't interact again after Jordan goes back to his tour, which I did feel was a fair reaction from her. Yeah. Um, and then he gets pissy about it. And then everyone is mad for maybe an hour. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then he gives her his cell phone number. So like, yeah, no. that's... They're, they're, yeah. Yeah, like, they try to have the conflict of, like, Emily's parents not really paying attention to her, but even that is pretty gentle um, and pretty easily resolved. Like, her parents are just like, oh, okay, like, we'll cook you dinner and put down our phones. And there's a little bit of conflict with Sarah and Jessica, the popular girl at school, which, as far as I can tell, is resolved when Jordan is like, oh, by the way, I'm a super huge pop star and you love me and I like this girl, so don't be mean to her anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like Jordan X Machina. You know what this movie felt? This movie felt like... Um, this movie felt like what the One Direction fanfic movie wanted to be. Yeah. Because I didn't I didn't hate this movie. It was fine. It was kind of it was like fluffy and enjoyable, but it really read to me very much as fanfic. Yes. And yes. it <laughs> so like um, this it really reminded me of that book I believe you have suggested on here. And I can't remember if I told you that I, I did go and get and read but the the Heartbreakers one. Oh yeah, Allie Novak. Yeah, like it it reminded me a lot of that. Although that one even had more conflict because the the right. protagonist has some pretty serious like conflict with her sister rather than with the um the romantic lead of the band. Um, right. Yeah this this movie was just kind of just kind of a nothing movie. Yeah. Like it was cotton candy. Yeah, it was just kind of there. Um so we 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 see a lot of movies or we have seen a lot of movies where the particularly the female protagonist is alternative in some way, like mm -hmm. DJ Cinderella with her DJing, um Emily with her uh street art um which i think is i think that part's kind of cool like i yeah. enjoyed i enjoyed the twist because like the arty the arty girl is a pretty common teen trope but i liked the twist that her chosen medium is uh street art although i did feel that maybe there could have been something a little stronger in the fact that her dad is a cop yeah like that felt like a very missed opportunity to me to not wholly explore that like we we watch them tag up the school but we don't see any fallout from that 
Yeah, that was really odd. Like, you would have thought, like, is really some school administrator there just going, oh, okay. Like. She's just finding her voice. Yeah. Like, I, I don't feel like that would be the response from the school. I also didn't really think her art or the art that they made for her was that compelling. I felt like they maybe could have stretched their like creative muscle. I felt like the set designer could have done a little bit more work. Yeah. The, the first one, I thought some of the later pieces they showed were fine. Um, but yeah, that first one they showed on the locker, it just looked like a sticker. Like, like the teenage well, then, version of Live, Laugh, Love. Like, yeah, and then one of them is like a New York City skyline with the with a um, script over the top that says, like, you need to show people your art or something. And I was like, oh, that's a that's an Etsy cross stitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, they, that was definitely something that could have, could have had some more effort put in. How do we feel about what this movie is saying about teen girl fans? Yeah, I think that that, and so getting into what you were saying about, like, oftentimes these protagonist, female protagonists seem to be somehow different. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that is rooted in these ideas that we have that anything that most teen girls like is bad. Um, this movie had very strong, not like other girls energy. Yes. Which, oh, I just wish we would throw that trope into the ocean. Um, Which is not to say that girls who engage in artistic endeavors are bad, just that the comparison, the favorable comparison of that to the rest of the girls who are, like, screaming irrational fangirls is bad. Yes. Um, Yes, and I think it, it just, like, feeds into this idea that... um, yeah, that there that there is nothing worthwhile in what teenage girls like. Um which did feel pretty rich coming from Jordan because like I understand the angle that they were taking with him, the like um you know kind of oppressed teen pop star, you think he has everything but he's in his gilded cage or whatever. Like that's not a a new story for me. But part of me also was like, wow, you're being mean to the people who pay your bills. <laughs> yes. And and setting up this dichotomy of the music that I have made that they like, well, I can't like it. Like, I must, there is something wrong with my art if it is popular. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that felt a little rich. I would have, I think I would have liked to take, it would have been nice to get a scene with Jordan at the end where he plays the music that he, like, quote unquote, wants to be making. Yeah, we never really hear him sing, which is really odd. I mean, it's probably because the actor can't sing. Right. Um, But also, like, that's never stopped 
That's never stopped people making movies before. <laughs> See um, Russell Crowe and Lamus. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, but like I would have loved, I would have loved some kind of con. So the movie comes in at a pretty tight ninety minutes, which I do appreciate, but I almost feel like they could have spent a few minutes where he at the end kind of takes a stand for his own art and is like i don't like any of the songs that you gave me for my next um my next album this is what i want to play instead like for a movie that's ostensibly about create like finding your own voice he doesn't get to no no he Um, just or at least like it's maybe implied that afterwards he will go out and try to advocate for doing music he wants, but we never get to see it, and we never get to hear that difference. Um, I mean, we don't even really get to hear his the stuff that he doesn't like. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it does, it feels really... Yeah, like we're missing that whole component about, you know, if we're, if we're having a story that's supposed to be centered on, you know, they each have their own kind of art and they're each, like, creative people, like, we don't get to see that. I mean, for God's sakes, La La Land made us listen to how much of Ryan Gosling try to be a jazz musician? I'm saying, like, even if the actor can't sing, they either could, they just, I mean, just auto-tune him. If he's a pop star, like, auto-tune him and it'll be fine. Yep. Or get him a voice double or something. Something. Uh, Especially because this movie also had a lot of B-roll footage in it. And it just seemed like there was wasted space in a movie that already wasn't taking up that much space. Yeah, yeah, like, I feel like there there needed to be a sense of urgency added, and I think that could have been added by having it center more around the art. Because, yeah, like you said, like, there, there was a whole lot of plot lines that weren't about the central thing that didn't feel like they necessarily added a ton. Yeah, like, we we kind of hear that um, Emily's family isn't wealthy or that money may be a problem for her, but we don't ever really find out what that means. Like, is she competing for an artistic scholarship to go to New York? We don't know. Well, she does, she does say that she is, but we never okay. find out if she got it. We don't see her because she ostensibly the trip to the high school is to do the street art that she can put in her portfolio for these scholarships. But I think that is just made in like not an offhand comment, but it's only mentioned once and then there's no follow up. Like we do see her slip like I am assuming pictures of the art that she did into an application envelope that is sent off to New York Art Academy. Um, Okay. But yeah, we never are followed up on with that. I remember her saying the thing about your portfolio, like it's not just about the quality of the work, it's also about like what you have to say. Um, But I, I guess I thought that that was just for applications. 
Yeah, she, schools. she does mention in there, like, I need a scholarship to be able to go. To, like, I've gotten into all these art schools, but I need a scholarship to go. Okay. Um, yeah, so, yeah, but it's it's not, like, that is something you have to pick up on. Like, it's not clearly articulated. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get the feeling, and this may just be... This may just be because I've been very conscious of um, how straight a lot of the media that I have been consuming is. Mm. Did you get the feeling that this would have been a more interesting story if either Emily had been a boy or if Justin had been, or Jordan? Jordan? Jordan. Um, had been a lady? Um, sure. I, I don't know. It, it I think it would have been halfway, a more original story. <laughs> yeah. It occurred to me halfway through that I kind of wished that Emily was a guy just because he, like, so much is made of his fake relationship with the, mm. the celebrity girl that he's, like, broken up with but is still saying that they're dating. Um, and maybe it was also just that I was starved for conflict in this movie. Mm. I was like, that could have been an interesting conflict if he's like, I met this guy in this town that I really like, but I'm like going to have to keep it secret. But again, that's almost a completely different movie and may just have been because halfway through I was like, how, how could we make this movie more interesting? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Well, and to be fair, I feel like, and I, I think in fact, I've already recommended something on this podcast um, that has a pretty similar plot. Um, like, I feel like this is a plot we have seen before, so I think that something to distinguish it would not have gone awry. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically that one chunk that we both liked from the Let It Snow anthology movie. Right! Okay, that was it. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Which did, I think, a better job in less time. Yes. Um, yeah but yeah I think that yeah something to distinguish it something yeah to give it more conflict or give it more of a center yeah it really needed something punchy because right now it's just as you said it's a story we've seen before and it's basically made up entirely out of teen tropes that seem to just be there for the sake of being there like Jessica, the popular girl, ex-best friend, we just hear about their relationship, but she doesn't seem to really matter. Like, she just kind of seems to exist to give Emily something to talk about. Yeah. At that point in the movie when it's appropriate to talk about her backstory. <laughs> um, and then also to to make fun of her... Uh, inclination to enjoy the musical stylings of one Jordan J. Yeah, just to like make fun of her for like rather than having it be a conversation about like you are not being true to yourself, you are just doing what you think will help you fit in rather than like oh, I actually like really enjoyed this music and do you actually hate it, or you just hate the, like, teen girl fandom it represents? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I... 
Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, anything you could have done with that. And that's, I'm sorry, I feel like I mentioned, I mean, if we if we made a bingo for this podcast, I feel like one of the squares would be Mara mentioned some kind of wonderful. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is where, this is part of why I love some kind of wonderful so much is that it takes that character, but it gives her depth. It gives her her own motivations and it doesn't, demean her for like trying to fit in Uh um and this movie made no attempt at that i enjoyed that emily was biracial yeah yeah that was cool (laughs) it's such a such a little thing though it is it is and I, i did actually I did enjoy that her parents had that moment of, oh dear, yes, we 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 need to savor our time with you before you leave this house. Yeah, and for as much teen media that has, like, no parental involvement or truly absent parents, it was nice that her, that we, we get to see the environment that Emily is growing up in. I mean, we, we get to see the environment that both of them are growing up in. Um, I think there was probably an opportunity to draw some more direct parallels between Jordan's mom, who is also his manager, I believe. Yes. And Emily's pretty absent parents who kind of, who do, who do end up listening to her and, um, try, starting to make some changes versus Jordan's mom who does not listen to him and has no intention of making changes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it certainly could have gotten like some more conflict out of that. And like, yeah. And drawn that contrast stronger. I actually wanted there to be more of a like Jennifer Aston and Dublin moment with his mom. Yes, that would have been that would have been very good. Yeah, I feel like there was room for that there, and they didn't go for it. So I think that we have pretty thoroughly um, discussed how we would have rehabbed. Yeah, I don't think we need to do it. I feel like this whole episode has been a rehab section. <laughs> um. So what? First of all, would you recommend Be Somebody? If you're bored, which granted, there may be some more of that going around than usual during (laughs) quarantine. Um, But I I would firmly put it. You know how, like, or at least I think it's Slate does this. Um, They post every month, like, here's what's coming to Netflix. And they have it in headings of, like, must watch, should watch, if you're bored. I feel like I would put this in the if you're bored category. Yeah, I think it was. So right now, um, I'm not wholly mad at the like complete lack of conflict. Um, there's not a whole, I don't have a whole lot of energy to spend being anxious about movies right now. So like that yeah. in and of itself. Um, yeah, if you're looking for something kind of quiet, the music I thought was fine. Yeah, um, something kind of quiet and zen-like to put on in the background. I also do sort of feel like there's a better way to spend ninety minutes if yeah. you're if you're looking for a tight ninety-minute movie. I would definitely recommend it over after, which is the <sighs> movie that it feels the most like. 
Um, oh, really? I I was picking up more on um, the Let It Snow vibes than after. Well, that's that's because it is that one chunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, the story, definitely. But I'm, like, more the sort of soft indie rock oh, soundtrack, yeah. the B-roll footage montages. Yeah, the look um, of it. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so what would we recommend to people instead? Yeah, so um, I would recommend the book Superfan by Serena Bowen. Um, I feel like I have been a Serena Bowen stan on this podcast because she does many of these teen tropes and does them better. Um, so and this this particular book is part of her. This is actually not a young adult book. This is an adult book. Um, but it's part of her series about a fictional hockey team. Um, and so the plot of this one is, um, a, several years before the book takes place, um, a kind of down on her luck emerging pop star, you know, nurses a crush on this bartender and they have like a little flirt going on for a few weeks. Um, but then he gets called up to the professional hockey team and like doesn't have a way to get her his phone number um and so several years later they reconnect on twitter because she has become a huge pop star um and he is now a hockey star um so they get to reconnect um and it um the first little chunk of the book is her like not knowing it's him and she's already met him and him like trying to figure out like how to tell her um, and then she has a dirtbag ex who kind of messes things up. Um, but yeah, it's very sweet. Also involving like pop stars and their real identity. And yeah, very, very fun. A very cinnamon rolly hero. Um, so yeah, I would highly recommend Superfan by Serena Bowen. Okay, the one, uh, so my recommendation for you guys is a little to the left of this, but that's because I had a very hard time finding celebrity romance stories that I had experienced myself, and I don't want to give you guys a a recommendation that I, I have not, I, I can't recommend something that I haven't, you know, read or watched myself. Um, so the, the one that I'm going with is the, uh, a book that I read that I quite enjoyed that does um that i was thinking about it's called royce rolls by margaret stoll it is a young adult book about uh bentley who is the daughter in a very kardashian type reality show family uh, and she decides that she is going to get out of this family so that she can go to college and live a normal life which is not really an option for her right now uh, so the move, the book plays out a bit like a heist, only there's no heist, <laughs> where Bentley tries to get the show renewed to save the show, keep supporting her family, and also make her exit so that she can go uh, live her life the way that she wants to. Um, it is, like I said, it is to the left of this movie a little bit, but it's what I got for you. And it is another one where right now it is low stakes conflict. Um, a lot of, if you are like me and you enjoy reading about like 
uh, kind of rich person porn, like all of the brand names <laughs> and the set dressing and stuff. Um, it's it's a very good satirical look at Hollywood and reality TV, uh, and is also just funny and enjoyable. It's got a great main character. Um, little bit of romance, nothing super serious, uh, but enough to keep things kind of interesting. So our next movie, we are going to be trying something a little bit new. Uh, Marn and I are going to watch our next movie together as a Netflix watch party. Uh, and if we can save our commentary, I've never done Netflix watch parties before, so I don't know if this is possible, but if we can save that chat, I, think I will. Way. I'm not entirely sure. But we I don't know. But if there is, um, you know, listeners, this is something that is in development kind of as we go. <laughs> um, but if there is a way, I will save that chat and we can publish excerpts of it. Um, but we are going to be watching The Space Between Us on our next episode uh starring asa butterfield and some other people i don't know space and space (laughs) it's like the reverse martian (laughs) um but in the meantime uh while you wait for that episode you can enjoy did you do your homework which is my other podcast that i do with marin's husband pete that comes out on alternating wednesdays on the same feed as this podcast um you can catch us on social media with the social with the feeds that we share with dydyh um we are on twitter and instagram at dydyh podcast uh, and on Facebook at the same. Uh, you can find me on the internet at all places at Magical Martha. My Instagram right now is almost wholly uh, reviews I've been posting of different Japanese Kit Kat flavors. I Which bought a variety I've been pack. Appreciating greatly. <laughs> um, and my biggest takeaway of that so far is jealousy that I don't have normal convenience store access to all of these flavors. The one that sounded most particularly good to me, I think it was a cranberry almond. That one was very good. Uh, the one I ate yesterday was a um, like a roasted green tea flavor, Ooh. which was extremely delicious. Ooh, that does sound good. Um, Marin, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at a underscore star underscore danced, uh, where I tweet a lot about romance novels and romantic comedies, um, in addition to politics and things about Minnesota. Um, so, yeah, if you are interested in any of those things, feel free to give me a follow. Uh, we will be back in two weeks uh, with our recap and analysis of the space between us and until then just remember that we love you I'm going to stop thinking about this movie as soon as we get off this recording. (laughs) Exactly. Except for, oh, my God, the one thing I forgot to mention. It is eerie how much that main actor looks like Justin Bieber. It is eerie. Twins! Yes. 
Well, and again, I'm like confident that that's why they cast him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I also meant to comment on that. So hopefully Pete can sneak this in as like, I don't know, somewhere. Somewhere. Um, but yeah, he absolutely was cast for his uh, aesthetic similarities to Justin Bieber. 